And welcome back to the South End Zone. I'm your host, Jason Bailey. I am with Eric Mulher, as always. Back again, Eric. We made it to week four. Massive slate. Thank God week three is over with. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, what, what's the saying? It, the, it's the darkest right before the dawn. Uh, week three was kind of rough. Uh, it, it was better than I expected, but it was still not great. I'm really looking forward to week four. There's six ranked matchups this week. Uh, there were oh, none yeah. last week, so there's some there's some really, really good games out there, and we will talk about some of them. Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, so real quick, before we dive into all of the goodness, we kind of touched on all the breaking news last night. Uh, and if you're on the podcast side listening, then, you know, uh, I'm sorry. I'm a day late on update on uploading the podcast. I just uploaded it like five minutes ago. So it's on YouTube as of yesterday, but the pod a little late. So my bad if you're a podcast listener, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm busy. But uh, nonetheless, let's jump into it. And the biggest game of the week, in my opinion, and I'm sure a lot of people's opinion, since uh, Colorado's not playing anybody worth a shit, apparently, um, you know, they're well, not. They're, they're going to get dragged, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, they, the ESPN strangely kind of uh, pans away from from Colorado yeah. when they're a 21-point dog. I don't know. Weird. But uh, the biggest game that we want to talk about right out of the gate is Notre Dame and Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And, man, like, there's a lot I could say about this game, but what we're going to do is bring in the fucking big guns, man. And we've got yep. with us today Brian Driscoll. From Irish Breakdown, he's back. Brian, welcome back to the show, dude. So good to have you, man. Oh, Brian, you're muted. Oh, man. And see, you come yeah. in and you mute yourself well, right was, out of the I game. was still trying to get over the hurt of you calling me the big gun because I took that as a fat joke. So oh, I just goodness. was a little... <laughs> no, man, oh, I'm ready, man. We're, we're, we're like pawn stars. Like, it, we don't know something, but let me call in the next <laughs> yeah, Do my best, fellas. That's right. Big one. It's, and trust me, if, if you're a listener, it's just as rigged as Pawn Stars. I promise <laughs> you. But, uh, okay. So, this I game. It was plus four and a half. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the best we can do. It's the best I can do for you. So, Brian, we brought you in, man. We want to get your take on Notre Dame. Because uh, on this show, you know, we... I've always been of the opinion that Notre Dame was a quarterback away from being a championship team. We talked about that uh, when we met with you in the offseason. And thus far, it seems like Sam Hartman kind of may be that answer. Like, is this real? Could this be happening? Could Notre Dame finally be that team that they show up and just beat the shit out of whoever they play and can play with literally anybody and can win? not just play with them, but win on the road, things like that. So what have you seen so far from Notre Dame as far as this year, big step forward from last year, aside from just the quarterback play, I think, which is obvious. Well, I think what the quarterback play does is it allows those other parts of the team to flourish, right? So you look at Audric Estime and what he did last year, and he was a pretty good football player last year. You know, rushes for over 900 yards while splitting carries uh, with Logan Diggs, averages 5.9 yards per carry. But if you actually look and break down his season last year, he was at, I think, like 6.6 yards per carry after the first three games. You know, he was a kid that, that didn't play a ton the year before, you know, had 19 carries the first two games. But you look at him in the last 10 games, and he was at 6.6 yards per carry. So what does he do this year? He's coming out, and he's 8.3. And he's been over at least 8.8 each of the last three games and starting to rip off big runs. I think his longest run last year was in the 30s. He's had an 80-yard touchdown run. He had a 72-yard touchdown run brought back last week. He had a 50 against Tennessee State. And you say, well, has he just gotten that much better? Is the old line way better? It's like, well, teams have to defend Notre Dame differently now. You know, and we've seen teams in the first few games, they would kind of stuff the box and then drop everybody back. And so they were trying to protect the deep ball because of how good Sam Hartman has been in the past against the deep ball. And so that left a lot of stuff over the middle of the field open, and it created some run lanes for Audric Estime. If he got through that first level, he was going to go. Well, last re- last week, Central Michigan said, okay, well, we need to protect the first and second level. So what does their name do? They come out and throw – two 75-plus yard touchdowns on two of the first three tries. And you say, wow, Notre Dame actually does have some weapons, right? When you actually have a quarterback that can get in the ball. I mean, one of the things we complained about last year at Irish Breakdown was, I'm in every game. I'm in the press box. There's dudes open. They're just not throwing them the ball. 
Well, now you've got a guy who can throw him the ball, and, and, and you're seeing guys make plays. And, you know, what it comes down to, I think you guys made a great point. It's, it's Notre Dame hasn't exactly played lights out there for the last three weeks. It's just they're just way more talented than other people. And yeah. now you have a quarterback that can bring that out of them. So instead of going and losing 16-14 to 14 to a Stanford and losing to Marshall or, you know, barely beating Navy last year and all that, now you're just steamrolling people. And even when you're not playing, they didn't play that great against NC State. Still won by 21. Still not gaining yeah. over 100 yards. Yeah, the first half it's, of the game was pretty ugly. Right. I mean, but, you know, I broke it down. They had a they had a lead for over 48 minutes, and they had a double-digit lead for over 36 minutes and yeah. didn't play well. You know, probably yeah. played a B-minus game. And a big part of that is, is because you've got a quarterback now that can still make that play to Chris Tyree for 65. They can throw that dart for a touchdown that turns a 10-7 to game. I mean, NC State's like, hey, we're finally in the game. We scored, and like 30 seconds later, Sam Hartman's in the other end zone throwing dimes to Jaden Greathouse. And you know, with all due respect to the kids that were here last year, who are great kids and hard workers, and I wish them all the best. They don't. They don't make those plays. Not throwing the football. They don't make those plays. And and that's just been a big difference. And it's just taken some of the pressure off of the run game, the O line, and the receivers. Hey, just go do your job. Sam will get the ball where it needs to get to. And that also takes a, a lot of pressure off your defense. You can pin your ears back. You can attack now, knowing that hey, if we give one up, you know, look, we've got an offense and come down and, and get that back. And it's just really made them a, a, a much more complimentary football team. Whereas in past years, the defense had to carry them. Defense couldn't afford to have an off game because that means they were going to lose because the offense couldn't get it done. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, you talk about estimate the running game, the the skill positions, like you say, the quarterback has really, I think, amplified the rest of those weapons. And by the way, I did want to mention for you, uh, your candidate of uh, the Connor McGregor, who the fuck is that guy award winner? Tobias Merriweather slowly making his way up the award list, the watch list. And uh, I would say he's leading the pack right now. You know, not he hasn't just blown up, but we've seen some flashes. Yeah. And uh, nobody else on that list from all the beat writers we've had on has really flashed much. So you may you may end up getting some kind of award at the end of the year. For hey, I'm, I'm all about awards. I love being patted on the back and told how smart I am. So I'm a big fan. <laughs> yes, there, there will be no money, but on your yeah, desk, it's all right. It's an ego yeah. thing. I, that's much yeah. more important to me than. Money. Yeah. We'll, we'll be happy to have you back on so you can come and spike and tell everybody you were right. It's great. Sounds um, good. Now, so Eric, did you have a question for him in particular about the roster before we get into the breakdown of the actual game? I only have one real question um, just from what I've kind of looked into and really thought about this game. I only have one question about the game itself, but roster wise, I think, I think I'm all set. We can move into okay. the action. All right. Okay. All right. So for this game, I, Brian, I, I've kind of been back and forth on this all week about Ohio state. And I don't know that Notre Dame matches up fantastic with Ohio State when they're on offense, when Ohio State is on offense, if they play their best game. But McCord's been kind of a question mark. So what do you think from a offensive standpoint, Notre Dame or that Ohio State has to do to take advantage of Notre Dame's defense, which to this point, in my opinion, has been fucking lights out. I think Ohio, I think Notre Dame matches up a little better than than I think maybe people give him credit for. And mm -hmm. I think Notre Dame's got one of the best cornerback groups in the country, and nobody talks about them. You know, I mean, Benjamin Morrison was a, a preseason All-American, and he has not been their best corner through four games. That's been Cam Hart, you know. And, and you've got Thomas Harper, who came over from Oklahoma State, played in Jim Knowles' defense for four years, you know, at Oklahoma State. You know, he he he's a good football player. You know, somebody was saying today, you know, Notre Dame's defense ranks really high because, you know, they played Navy. And I'm like, all right, cool. Let's let's take Navy out. Guess where Notre Dame ranks in pass efficiency defense? They're still first, right? They're still like second or third in yards allowed per attempt. I think they can match up. And we saw that last year, you know, where, where they they really kept that Ohio State offense in check. And everybody says, well, you know, they didn't have Jackson Smith and Jigma. They still had Marvin Harrison and the Buka and Julian Fleming and all these other guys, right? And, and all the running but, backs. Uh, yeah. You know, exactly, exactly. You know, so, but it, it really comes down to this. It's going to come down to, you know, can Notre Dame create disruption up front? That's going to be the key, right? Because I don't care how good your secondary is, you can't cover guys like Marvin Harrison and Nemeka Buka all day. 
You, no. If they're just allowed to get free runs and 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 get into their post routes and make double moves and Kyle McCord's comfortable sitting in the pocket and stepping into throws, I don't care who you have a cornerback. You're going to give up yards. You're going to give up big plays. Uh, what they have to do against Kyle McCord is not let him get comfortable. Western Kentucky could not get him out of rhythm. Uh, Youngstown State did a little early, but they really just he got comfortable and and when a quarterback of his ability and he's a good he's a good talent. He's not an elite talent. He's a good talent. He's a junior. He's been in the system now three years, and he's made a start in the past. He started against Akron in 2021 when C.J. Uh, Stroud was hurt. So this isn't some like redshirt freshman kid who never played. This is a good football player, top former top hundred recruit, and so you've got to treat him like you do every other talented quarterback. You can't let him get comfortable. That's going to be Ohio State's game plan for Sam Hartman. You can't let Sam Hartman sit back in the pocket and, and have time to throw. He's going to pick you apart. I don't care who you have in the secondary. And the same thing is true here. That this is really the one sort of weak spot if you can if you can have one for the Ohio State offense is their offensive line is still a work in progress. You know, they got three new starters, both tackles are new. They're not as talented as the kids they had last year. I mean, you lose Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones at tackle, you're losing size, you're losing talent. Josh Fryer and Josh Simmons are, are quality players, but they're not that. Carson Hinsman at center is a kid I love uh, for down the road. Be still a redshirt freshman replacing a guy that was drafted in the NFL last year in Luke Whipler. So Notre Dame's going to have to be able to find ways to take advantage of that and create disruptions. You know, Get Ohio State off schedule. Make it second and 11 instead of second and four, where Ohio State has everything in their arsenal available to them. You know, get them into to pass pass heavy situations where you can then you know, kind of pin your ears back and hopefully get some pressure. Because if if Ohio State's quarterback, and I don't care who it is, is comfortable in the pocket, it's going to be a long day for you. Very, mm. very true. <laughs> I hope they can get some pressure on him because, like you say, I mean, McCord, yeah, he hasn't been what I would call mind-blowing at all. But if you let him stand back there with those receivers, he will pick you apart for sure. That's right. Now, Eric, you said you had a question about the game. Yeah. What, what, well, ask? so that kind of leads into my question. And from looking at everything in the game, to me, and, and I guess my question is, am I crazy? The the kind of the preamble to that is, I, I think this game really, for me, comes down to Notre Dame's red zone defense. Mm-hmm. They're, they're allowing touchdowns on something like 30% of opponents' drives into the red zone, which is a decent number. Um, and I kind of feel like if you just – if I don't watch the game and you tell me what Ohio state did in the red zone, I can tell you who won. Yeah. Uh, am, am I off base or because everything else, I, I think they'll be able to move the ball in Notre Dame. It's just going to come down to, you know, can you force a field goal yeah. here and a field goal there? And boy, that eight, that eight points, if you can do that in this game is massive. Well, I think that's a great point. And, and it's an ex- especially important for Notre Dame. You know, you talk about that 33% they've allowed. Uh, that's a spot on number. They've allowed uh, four touchdowns and 12 red zone trips this year in, in four games. And if you look at last year, a 33% red zone trip in, in the in the red zone is number one in the country. That That's pretty good. This year, you know, teams haven't played a whole lot of games, so it's ninth. Well, this is coming from a team that last year ranked dead last in red zone touchdown percentage. Literally, no one was worse at allowing touchdowns last year than Notre Dame. Uh, it's even and, worse than Oklahoma. That's <laughs> it, it, worse than Colorado. Worse than Arizona. I mean, they were dead last. Worse than North Carolina. They allowed touchdowns on twenty-seven of thirty-four drives. So only seven times last year, Notre Dame allowed a team to get in the end zone and not score. Well, they've already stopped eight times this year, right? So it has been a big improvement. The 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 big thing about Notre Dame defensively, guys, for me is. They've played lights out this year, but they haven't played a, an offense that I would consider a really good offense, yeah. if we're being honest. I mean, Navy's not a very good offense. They dominated Navy, though, right? Much much more so than their other opponents have. Tennessee State's a, a bad FCS offense, and Notre Dame did what you're supposed to do to a bad FCS offense. Central Michigan's not a very good offense. They shut that down not as well as they should have. And, and NC State's not a great offense by any stretch, and they and they obviously shut that down pretty well. Uh, they ended up with like, 360-some yards. Like 65 of that came on the last drive against the backup defense when their name was up 41-17 to 17, or 45-17. to 17. And, and, you know, so so they've done their job, but they haven't been tested like this. I mean, they haven't faced a receiver any, anywhere close to what Marvin Harrison. They actually haven't faced a receiver as good as Julian Fleming who's the Ohio State's number three starter, right, so far this year. So it's a much different test, and so you've got to ask yourself, okay, can they make those stops against a a higher-quality offense? I don't know. 
but that's going to determine in a lot of ways how this game's going to go. I would say that, you know, when, when you're a coach and you're breaking down games, you have different parts of the field, right? So like the red zone, when we're talking is, you know, the, the 20 in, but as a coach, it's, you know, 11 to 19 and then 10 to 10 to the goal line, something completely different as far as how you're game planning. I think the key for Notre Dame is going to be twofold. Number one is don't let big plays turn into touchdowns, tackle them, make them then run more plays to try to score. And then the other key is going to be, can you, can you make the plays you need to make from the the 25 to the to 50 to keep them from getting into the red zone. That's going to where you're going to be able to start forcing some more field goals and and preventing them because Ohio State's a tough team uh, to keep out of the end zone once they get into the red zone. And that's going to be a big key, but when they do get in there guys, it's all it's going to be all about forcing forcing field goals. So if Ohio State scores five times and, and all of them are touchdowns, it's going to be a tough game to win. The 35 points is going to it's going to be tough to get more than 35 on this Ohio State defense which is much improved. But if you can say, hey, look, you know, you you know, they get they score five times and and three of them are field goals. Now all of a sudden, you know, we're we're talking what 20, 20, 22, 23, yeah. 23 right? Yeah. So if, yeah, twenty three. That's a much more doable game for Notre Dame's offense. Is keeping them in in that standpoint and whether or not they can do it, and then if maybe you can get a stop, that's you have a shot to win. I mean, that's what the good teams do, right? I mean, you're. you're you're going to give up points to teams like this. Look at the college football playoff every year. You don't see a bunch of seventeen to fourteen games in the playoff. It's, you know, who who can turn who can who can turn red zone trips into touchdowns, and who can offensively, and then whose defense can turn red zone trips into field goals. That's a lot of times difference in these games when you're talking about two heavyweights. No doubt. And so, last kind of point I want to touch on here before I before we let you get out of here. Uh, Notre Dame, we talked about their offensive line in the offseason and what what I've seen so far. I mean, you talked about Navy. I mean, they physically have dominated up front everyone they've played, especially on the offensive line from what I've seen. They push people around. They're elite with a capital E, in my opinion. So last year against Ohio State, I felt like Notre Dame played an amazing game for three and a half quarters and just sort of got out-athleted at the end. They ran out of gas and – do you see any of that changing? If it's a close game and you're deep into the fourth quarter and there's eight minutes left, do you think that we've seen a step forward and the quarterback play will make a difference there and the defense maybe might have a little bit more gas left in the tank? Or if it's that close of a game, do you think Ohio State still has just better athletes and it's going to be a tough sledding? I think it really comes down to – what happened last year is Notre Dame just was not able to, they got dominated in the trenches. That's, that's mm-hmm. how I saw last year's game. I mean, you know, when you look at, if I'd have told you guys before last season, Hey fellas, listen, Notre Dame is going to hold Ohio state to 21 points under 400 yards of offense and their second lowest yards per play of, uh, of the season. They're, what do you guys think is going to, you might have, I think Notre Dame's going to win that game. Man. They only got to score 24 and it, it's a ball game. Yeah. And they, they, they did that and lost by 11 points, two scores. Right, because yeah. their offense couldn't get going, they could not exert their will. And when you look at what Notre Dame, you know, was at the time you're in you're in your first year, your first game of the Marcus Freeman era. Harry Heastan was in his first game back, you know, after coming out of retirement. Your offensive line, you were missing Jarrett Patterson, who was your only really majorly experienced player. Joe Walt and Blake Fisher were true true sophomores. You know, Zeke Carell had taken over at center. You've got your your right tackle from the year before is playing right guard. I mean, they were a makeshift unit going into that first game, and they went out and got pushed around. And that's kind of what happened to Notre Dame, really. You know, the 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 first three games of the year last year, and they rushed for seventy six against Ohio State. They only rushed for one hundred thirty against Marshall. They only went for one forty seven against Cal. Their best yards per game, uh, yards per period average was three point six. Well, since that time, in the fourteen games since then, Notre Dame's averaging over two hundred eight yards per game and you know this year they're averaging was it like over six yards per carry you know running the football this season uh 5.9 yards per carry running the ball this season and they're you know when you when you consider the fact that two of the teams they played ranked third and 11th in rushing defense last season navy being third nc state being 11th that adds some context to that you know and and nc state gave up barely over 100 yards last year Notre Dame got 80 80 on one carry you know, against them last year and then, and then went for buck 70. And if you take away quarterback sacks, they were over 200 yards in that game against NC State of just pure running the football. And so when you look at the context of who they've played, it even adds more value to that. But this is what Notre Dame became last season. I mean, they, they beat 
Clemson by 21 and and threw what 15 passes for like 85 yards. They just ran at them. Notre Dame's a different team than they were last year. But I would argue that Ohio State's a better team than they were at this point in time last year, too, because they were in game one of the Jim Knowles era. I mean, for all the excuses I can make about why Notre Dame didn't play well, you could say about Ohio State, like, you know, hey, look, that was game one of the Jim Knowles era and, and it's that and the other. What happened is they got their butt kicked. They can't let that happen again on Saturday. I mean, it, it really it, – for Notre Dame, guys, it really is that simple. They're much more athletic than people give them credit for, but they're not as athletic as Ohio State is top to bottom. It's yeah. it, just like they weren't as athletic against Miami and back in 88 or Florida State in 93, you know, in those those glory years when Notre Dame was – was winning. I I pointed this out on our show. Miami in, from eighty seven to ninety one won f- in five years won three national titles. Do you know what was in common in the two years they didn't? They got beat by Notre Dame, right? And that's you know. But Notre Dame had really good athletes back then, but they couldn't match Miami and Florida State athlete for athlete. But you know what they could do? Beat them in the trenches. Yeah, and that's still true for Notre Dame. But last year, Ohio State beat them in the trenches, and the athletes actually kept them in the game last season. You're not going to do that again this year. They're going to be they're going to be more prepared athletically, and so you're going to have to win in the trenches. And if Notre Dame can run the football, uh, make Ohio State one dimensional. Yeah, everybody talks about the receivers and all that, and that's that's huge. You can't let them run the football on you. This is what USC did to Notre Dame last year. You, Caleb Williams didn't really go off against Notre Dame last year. Uh, it, it, as a passer, he did stuff running, and then Austin Jones went off. And so that's why I think that Notre Dame has a chance to play this game because – sorry, I'm getting long-winded with this one, but let me point this last thing out. When you talk about the Notre Dame secondary, Notre Dame last year had a, a very good pass defense. You know, when you look at the rankings, they were a, a top 25 football team in some of the the more important pass areas last season. So when you look at, like, uh, passer rating, for example, last season uh, – I'm looking this up now – Notre Dame um, – you know, last year, excuse me, yards per attempt last year, Notre Dame ranked 23rd in the country. Uh, yards allowed per game, Notre Dame ranked 23rd in the country. And that was against a schedule that had C.J. Stroud, Drake May, Caleb Williams, Spentler, Spencer Rattler, uh, and uh, Tanner McKee from Stanford, who's in the NFL now, and Jaron Hall at BYU. Right, so Notre Dame's played some pretty good passing offenses. When their defense struggled last year, is because they were allowing the other team to get the run game going, which made it then harder to defend the pass. So at the end of the day, it's still going to be about don't let Travion Henderson go off, make them one dimensional. Then you have enough, a chance to have enough disruptions to to be able to to force enough stops, field goals, punts, things like that, to be able to win this game in the fourth quarter. I like it, man. I love it. And so we're going to put you on the spot here. Notre Dame plus three at home, baby. Who wins? Do, would you bet? I mean, you know, we know you're not a, yeah. a gambling man, but on this show, we do partake and engage in some degenerate uh, level behavior here. So if I'm going to lay some cash down on this game, man, I'm, I'm seriously considering taking Notre Dame and the points here. Would I be a smart man to do so? Well, I can never condone, I can never confirm nor deny the desire to go spend money on a betting, but I'll say this, this is the most confident I've been in Notre Dame's ability to go out there and just win this football game, a football game like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be picking, I don't have my score, I'm not ready to get my score out yet, you know, got to save that for my listeners, but I'll be picking Notre Dame to win this game. I mean, this is what you have to, sh- you have to win games like this. I think Notre Dame matches up better athletically than people give them credit for. Uh, it's going to come down to, you know, can they, can they do enough in the trenches? But as you said, if you're someone like us who believe Notre Dame was a quarterback away from winning these type of games, well, you've got that quarterback now, so there's no more excuses. Yeah. And and I like what this Notre Dame team has done. I like what they've they've been balanced. They've been dynamic on defense. They're scoring 46 points a game. You know, this is the first time you guys know this. Um, this is the first time in Notre Dame history they've scored at least 40 points a game in five straight games. If you're dating back to last year's bowl game, and they've scored 40 in each of the first four games. It's the first time since 1900 that Notre Dame has scored 40 points in each of their first four games. And that 1900 team played two high school teams and like Howard Park Football Club, like seriously, in their first four games. They played like Goshen High School, Englewood High School, and some local park club. And then in the last six games of the year, they scored 15 total points, right? So, I mean, you know, it's a little different era. But when you're doing things that happen, that happened two decades before the first World War, you're, you're doing you're doing some good things. Now it's about can you do enough against a team like Ohio State to keep the keep the W's rolling? And I think they will. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, Brian, we appreciate so much you giving us a little bit of your time here to discuss Notre Dame and Ohio State. 
always a pleasure to have you on, man. And uh, we'll have you back on so you can spike after Tomer, uh, Tobias Merriweather <laughs> wins the Conor McGregor Who the Fook is That Guy Award. So until uh, later on, man, uh, stay safe, take care, and uh, thanks again for coming on. Always a pleasure. And thanks for not being mad at me, man. I see that Bama hat up there. I'm glad you're not mad at me for 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 you know putting Tommy Reese and Tyler Buckner into your universe. So hey, man, I appreciate you hey, not blaming me for that. Hey, man, it's totally fine. No, no big factor. It's all good, man. Yeah, he's not bitter. I'm not, I'm not bitter at all. Not even remotely bitter. It's fine. Milrose, the guy. We're gonna we're gonna write the ship this week. So Have we'll see what problem. happens. All, all right, right, Brian. Thank see you, Brian. Thanks. All right, man. Well, that's good right. stuff there. We got a solid like 23 minutes or so of Notre Dame, Ohio State. Great stuff. So, uh, Eric, with all of that being said, man, let's get into the bets. And, I mean, are you going to have a play on this game while we're talking about it? Uh, I am not. Any Actually, as it turns out, um, there is only one of these kind of big six ranked mm-hmm. games that, that I'm going to take a, take a stab at. Okay. But Brian's on Notre Dame money line plus plus one forty two. Oh yeah. If I were to bet that game, I think I like that number enough. I would probably take that one mm. instead well, of the points. Well, I'm going to take the points here. I am going to jump on Notre Dame. I don't have a ton of conviction here with this matchup. It's not something that I'm just rushing to bet. Okay. But I agree with everything he said about how it's one of those things. Like if not now, when, you know, you've got the quarterback, you've got Sam Hartman, you've got an elite offensive line. You've got Marcus Freeman, who's two years into building an elite defense with all these four and five-star linebackers. He's got Kyle McCord is not all that dynamic. I mean, let's be realistic. He's not CJ Stroud. He's not Justin Fields and all the dudes they've had before him. Not that he's not talented. Not that he can't flourish in this offense, but I just don't know that I'm a believer in Kyle McCord until he beats a team like Notre Dame. Well, that's my one hang up with him. Yes, I think he's a talented kid. I think he's a good player. Um, he's He has looked better from that week one game that kind of scared people. And I know he has started prior to this season, but he's he still hasn't played a team, a defense like Notre Dame's defense. Yeah, he still hasn't played in a place like you know, like at Notre Dame. So I get that this isn't his first game, but it's he's not. There will be some fresh, you know, some new experiences for him. Um, I'm not sold that he's just going to come out there and and have a fantastic game. I think they can be disruptive enough. Well, not to mention the fact that it's at home. It's in Notre Dame. This right. in the you know, it's not in the horseshoe this year. So it's gonna be a little bit yeah. different. Right. It's not the same as playing Youngstown State at home. No, no. Just and isn't, you're telling, right. and, and I mean if you're giving Ohio State a minus three, you're telling me that if it's in the horseshoe, it's still less than a touchdown. I feel pretty good about my odds taking the points with Notre Dame at home yeah. here. So I don't know. I don't think it's a bad bet. But again, you know, if you're willing to, you know, throw a little extra on it and you think they can definitely win the ball game, then what'd you say? Plus 142 on the money yeah. line? I don't yep. think that's I don't think that's bad value. You know, it's no, I, I think that number is attractive enough where I would forego the points and just pick them to win outright. Yeah, I, I don't hate it. I don't hate that at all. So since I'm on that, let's uh, switch over to you. What's your, what do you got for your first pick this oh, week? Oh, goodness. What's your, I, what's your first uh, bet? My first one, I got. I'm on a stinker this week uh, to start off with. <laughs> stop! Stop acting like that's not a normal occurrence. Uh, Sam Houston State. Oh at, yeah, at Houston. Uh, I am on under thirty-eight and a half. Under thirty-eight and a half. Yeah. No faith like a, in the no faith in the Cougs offense. Well, so. Houston's averaging 24 points per game, but that's kind of 41 of that came against Rice. They've been under 17 or 17 and 14, I think, in their other games. Really, this comes down to Sam Houston State, who is still waiting to, you know, get on the board with their first rushing touchdown of the year. They're also waiting to get on the board for their first passing touchdown of the year. Um, 
So as it turns out, they, oh, they haven't boy. scored a touchdown yet this season. Uh, oh my through, God. through two games, they've accumulated three points. So <laughs> That's these good two stuff. teams combined or, uh, or, or they've gone, they've hit the under, uh, four out of five times. So oh, man, I, I think Houston wins. They're, they're a healthy favorite. Um, Sam Houston State, they might get their first touchdown this week. Uh, odds are they probably will because Houston's defense is not great. I don't know mm. that they'll get enough to combine with you. I don't think either one of these offenses is enough to carry the other past 38. Um, so I'm going to take a shot that it's the worst game of the week, and I will benefit from it. Ay, ay, ay. Oh, man. All right. Well, yeah, that's a that is a real stinker, and I will not be partaking in that. I'm not going to watch. I that. don't blame you. <laughs> so, all right. Well, uh, first pick. I'll go ahead and get it out of the way. I'm going to go back to the old well here, and uh, you know, <laughs> Liberty. I sh- yes, I should have taken them last week. They were in the bullpen for me, and it was an idiotic move not to bet on them. I, and I even asked you, what do you think about them versus Buffalo? And you were like, ah, I just don't know about, enough about Buffalo, this, that, and the other. Well, here's what I know about Buffalo. They're now 0-3, and yeah. they got the shit kicked out of them. And by they Liberty got beat by, by 28, yeah. By four touchdowns. So I'm not going to make that same mistake again. FIU, a little bit more athletic than Buffalo. But I do still like Liberty here at minus 10 and a half. So give me Liberty or give me death. Once again, I'm going to go back to the well, and hopefully there's still some cash down there left for me to grab. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Speaking of some hoping for some cash at the bottom of a well, I'm going back to my well. Oh, boy. Louisville? No, no. <laughs> I, I took a break from these guys because I wanted to see what it was going to look like with the coaching change and the new offensive scheme. And I've seen enough to be encouraged. So I am on Coastal Carolina. Oh, baby. Let's go. First Coastal bet of the year. I got to write this one down. What is this? Yep. I'm taking the chance, the, the chance, if you will, uh, per the parlance of our times, minus six and a half at Georgia State. Hmm. Six and a half at Georgia State. Let's so the last go. two years, I went, I believe, 13 and five between uh, spread bets and over-unders on Coastal. They've been very good to me. Um, they're two and one. They covered the spread against UCLA on a road game, even though they lost. And now, so they're at Georgia State. And the home team has lost. I'm sorry, they're not. A, they're at home um, against Georgia State. That's a, a misprint. The home team has lost the last six uh, mm. of these matchups, and the home team is, I think, zero and zero and six or zero five and one against the spread. So that, that gave me a little bit of worry, but um, Coastal has been too good to me the last couple of years to to not give them a shot here if it's less than a touchdown. So Coastal minus six and a half. Mm. All right. Well, let's stick with some smaller schools here. Another well, newly discovered well, perhaps, that I'm going to go back to. I'm going to ride James Madison again and see just if this hot streak can keep working for me, man. I don't know. I mean, everybody keeps just, you know, let's not talk about James Madison and how good they're doing, how, you know. How many games they just keep fucking winning? Yeah. <laughs> and so almost all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Almost all of them. Correct. And they are on the road at Utah State and they are a six and a half point favorite. Now, if you're a Utah State better and you would favor the home team here, you can catch a seven. There are some sevens out there if you wanted to look for them. And it may change even some more as the week goes on. But if you're going to give me James Madison under a touchdown, I'm going to take it. That's just they until they prove me wrong, I'm going to keep riding them. So give me James Madison on the road at Utah State minus six and a half. Yep, I'm on that one as well. They, oh, uh, that's it. Let's go. Yep. They 
And James Madison has won 42 of their last, or I'm sorry, 44 of their last 52 football games. <laughs> well, and I don't know that they're going to win by a full touchdown. It is on the road, but I don't think it's a bad bet either way. Around. No, yeah. uh, every, every time I've thought about it and not done it, they've, they've won and covered They're Exactly. They're just, I'm just tired of watching them win other people money, you know? So yeah. And they're like 70% against the spread the last yeah. two years since the yeah. beginning of 2021 i had it written down um for for the best bets article but yeah two and one so far this year against the spread yeah and they're uh, something like 13 and 6 13 and 5 the last uh, they're very good against the spread since the beginning of last year and yeah. they come into fbs first year they win eight games um they're just winning impressive. machines so yeah. i'm on them as well yeah very impressive Hmm. Is it my turn or yours? It's your turn. I'm on James okay. Madison. So what do you got? Um, I'm going to take some action on the Pac-2 Slugfest. Oh yes, the Pac-2. The- and I'm going to take. I'm going to lay two and a half. I'm going to take Oregon State minus two and a half at Wazoo. Mmm, man. What do you think about that total? I was looking at that total. It's what fifty-five and a half is the last I saw. What was it? Um, I don't have it written down uh hang on i can tell you hold on let me uh i got it pulled up here let me find it because i want to say it was 55 and a half on that total let me look at it real quick i got stuff going on in my background i got a dog barking it's fun times if you're a listener it happens yeah if, if it's where it was yesterday it didn't interest me enough uh 56 and a half currently so yeah that's uh i over <laughs> I think uh, Cam Ward, you know, maybe I, I would I would probably lean over here, but it has come down. It opened at fifty eight and a half. It's down to fifty six and a half. Mm. Um, yeah, probably not low enough for me. I think that's probably a pretty good number, and I don't have any real strong feelings one way or the other. Mm. But if you're going to give me less than a field goal, I'll, I'll take the beefs. Man. I love it. I almost jumped on that, but Washington State being at home kind of, you know, it, it's it's so small. It's one of those, if it's like, if I'm going to take plus two and a half here, I mean, Jesus, just give me a bet on the money line, but I'm I'm not going to take it. I, I couldn't pull the trigger on it. So I'm going to get away from that one, And but I don't hate it. All right. So let me find this next one. There it is. All right. So last week, I said that I did not want to bet on games that involved any sort of coaching turmoil. Yep. And once again, the trend has been broken. Washington goes into Michigan State and absolutely throws all over them. Completely and utterly dominated them. It was, what, 35 to zip at halftime? Yep. <laughs> it, was, it was just an ass kicking. So, Maryland is on the road at Michigan State, and they still have coaching turmoil. If you listen to our show, we talked about it uh, yesterday that Mel Tucker is, uh, he's coached his last game there. So I don't know that Michigan State's going to be able to stop Maryland. Yeah, Maryland throws the ball well, too. Yeah, they, they've got a decent quarterback, you know, young Tonga Valoa. They've got some athletic receivers, and Michigan State's pass defense is hot garbage. So, Hopefully this, uh, you know, the last time I bet on Maryland to win a game, it did not go my way. So uh, hopefully this goes a little different, but I'm going to take Maryland minus the seven and a half on the road here and say that they pretty convincingly beat Michigan State. Man, I think Michigan State's just in a world of shit right now. I mean, am yeah. I am I am I crazy for that? No, I thought I thought about that one as well. That was that was tempting. Um but then I was like, well, I already got six that I like a little better. But yeah, uh, I don't don't hate that one. But you did bet on Maryland last week and you won. I did, yeah, yeah. They that of course that was over. a yeah that was a total though. I didn't bet on them yeah. against the spread, which I could have bet a, on the spread. It was you know they pretty easily covered it. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but it wasn't twenty eight, which is what yeah no. By. Yeah, yeah, I could have covered the spread as well, but I felt pretty confident that uh, they would hit the over. So, mm. but uh, yeah, I'll take them at uh, seven and a half on the road. Okay. So, what do you got? Uh, next one, give me BYU at Kansas over 55 and a half. 
Ooh, I thought about that one too. So BYU's averaging, I think, right at 31 a game. Uh, Kansas, yeah. Kansas is BYU. just under 38. Um, so BYU, BYU has, coming off a coming off a win on on the road over an SEC team. Yes, um, <laughs> pretty surprisingly, I don't think anybody really expected BYU no, to win that football game. No, and and BYU has some some good defensive numbers, but that is thrown off a little bit by level of competition because they played a couple of nobodies. If you look at the Power Five opponent they played, um, uh, you know, which was Arkansas. I don't know that Arkansas's offense is better than Kansas's. Yeah. Uh, and they gave up 31. So I, I think this number probably gets closer to 60. So I like over 55 and a half. Mm, I love it. Love that. All right. Well, I thought about taking West Virginia here mm-hmm. at home against Texas Tech, but man, Texas Tech just drove them into the ground like a railroad spike last year. And I, I, I just can't bring myself <laughs> to take West Virginia in the points here. I know it's six and a half, but man. That just that last year's matchup just gives me a ton of pause. Even though what I've seen from Texas Tech this year has not been good, I still I'm just like eh, I don't. Mm, well, I don't know. They played all right um, against Oregon. Not fantastic. Week one was ugly. Um, yeah, it was. So I'm going to pivot and I'm going to get on a team that you were on last week. Now it is a big line, but I don't have much faith in this other team to be able to stay with them. And that is Washington. I'm going to take Washington at 21 and a half. It's a big line. It is. And the big lines have not served me well. But, man, I think Washington's offense is just special. I mean, if Michael Penix keeps doing what he's doing, there's no way Cal can stay within three touchdowns of them. I mean, Cal has a decent defense. Okay. And they have some couple of athletic guys on offense. But now they're a little banged up. Washington is clicking on all cylinders and they don't. They haven't shown me any signs that they can't go into just about anywhere and score 40. This week they're at home. It'll be rocking. I like Washington big here over Cal. Mm. Thought about that one too. Cal, I think, is going to be better than I expected coming into the year. Um, they're closer to respectable than I'd probably give them credit for, but I don't think they're anywhere near Washington's level. Give me 20 and a half. I would probably take it, but you know, you don't get a whole lot of 22 point margins in college football, and you really don't even get a ton of 23s. So it kind of felt like, oh, if I'm going to take them at 21 and a half, I'm really taking them at 23 and a half, and it kind of blows up from there. I think Washington will win. I think it'll be close. They'll win handily, and I think it'll be close, but I, I don't hate that one. I just didn't like it enough to take it. All right. Well, Okay, so do you have any more picks before we uh, talk about more. Okay, all right, give me your last one, and then we'll dive into Clemson, Florida State, uh, some of these other big games that we don't have takes on. Okay, uh, last one. I'm taking UAB plus 41.5 at Georgia. <laughs> oh, betting against Kirby Smart. I love well, it. I mean – uh, 41 and a half is just a huge number and Georgia hasn't really gotten out of the gate in any of their games offensively. Yeah. Um, and I, I think with a trip to Auburn in week five, yeah, they might, you know, you, you might wonder how focused they are on this opponent. I think they're probably doing a good job of keeping guys. Hey, like this game matters, but Georgia's going to win. They're going to win by. A I mean, lot. they're going to be they're going to be repping Auburn late in the week. I mean, they'll be looking at Auburn's offense. Yeah, I just don't think they'll. I, I think they'll you know get the reserves in and call off the dogs a little early. Maybe yeah. maybe I lose this one on a garbage time touchdown too with the third stringer. Who knows? But forty one <laughs> points uh, against a team that has a a much tougher game coming up next weekend, I think is worth a shot. Mm, I like it. All right. So recap us here on uh, all of our bets, and then we'll dive into some of these games. Okay. Um, Sam Houston State at Houston under 38 and a half, and I'm taking the over on BYU at Kansas. That number is 55 and a half. Uh, I'm laying six and a half points with James Madison and Coastal Carolina at Utah State and at Georgia uh, against Georgia State, respectively. And I'm taking UAB plus a mountain of points at Georgia. 
Those are my six. Right. Uh, you were on Notre Dame plus three and a half. Liberty minus ten and a half against FIU. Is it plus three and a half now on Notre Dame? I thought it was plus three. Let me check that. Let me check the. Let me check the three. scores and You're right. You know, yeah, it is. It's three. Yeah, it, yeah, it's three. Okay, so plus okay, three. so Notre Dame plus three. Uh, Liberty minus ten and a half uh, against FIU. Mm-hmm. You're also on James Madison minus six and a half. You're taking Maryland minus seven and a half against Michigan State. Where is that game at? It is at Michigan State. At okay, uh, and then Washington minus twenty one and a half against the California Golden Bears. Fade and Cal, fade them. Yeah, yeah, it's a double win for you. Fade Cal. It, well, Cal burned me once already this year, but that's because I bet on Auburn, which means the opposite of what I thought would happen. Yeah, happens. you 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 bought that one. Well, the, Auburn could have handled it, but they fucking fumbled the ball. You know, it's like stop fumbling the ball, dumbasses. You know, hold it. It's, it's Auburn. Squeeze, like, yeah, squeeze the football, and it's a cover. But they fumbled twice in the red zone. What are you going to do? So, I don't know, but. Okay, so that covers all of our bets. So now let's dive into some of these games we don't have takes on. So Mm -hmm. you're the Florida State homer of the podcast. So Florida State laying two points on the road here at Clemson. Not an inspiring performance by Florida State. Last week against Boston College, they slipped through it. I'm sure they probably repped some Clemson later in the week. What's going to happen, man? Because I I don't have – any confidence in either team right now to cover any spread. Now it's only two points. It's basically who do you think is going to win? Right. Um, I still think Florida state's athleticism on defense is going to allow them to win. Five years ago when Clemson had the kind of receivers they had five years ago, it would be different, but they don't Clemson doesn't have any receivers that if I'm Florida State really strikes fear at me. So yeah. I I think I can probably cover those guys one on one. I can maybe bring an extra guy up for when, you know, Shipley and Mafa are, are getting the ball. Um you know, I I've got athleticism at linebacker. I can spy Klubnik so he doesn't take off if I want. Um you know, I, I was hoping for more from Garrett Riley's offense than I have seen thus far. Maybe this is their their kind of breakout game. Uh, we'll see. But from what I've seen of these teams coming into the year and thus far into the season, um, you know, I, I like Florida nope. State minus that two or two and a half or whatever you said. Yeah, plus two right now for Clemson. Yeah, and that's that's my whole thing with this is. I don't know what Clemson's identity is on offense yet. Are they a power running team? Are they a dink and dunk well, team? I, don't don't I, feel I don't, bad because they don't either. <laughs> that's, that's my whole thing. So I wonder if it's just been kind of vanilla the first few games and we're going to see where we're at. And then finally, now we're going to open up the playbook. Or if it's a case of Dabo's micromanaging him and not letting him run what he wants. I, I don't know. So I'm I just wonder it. if he's got the dudes to run what he wants. He doesn't have a Quentin Johnson. Well, like yeah, he did I mean, but year. in that, but in that offense, you don't really have to have elite, like with a capital E skill talent, because they scheme so many guys open, like Tennessee or like Baylor in the past. You know, it's the Brile system, so they scheme dudes open. You should have guys open based on your scheme, if you can protect the quarterback and. I, I don't know that they can do that against Florida State's defensive front, which is ferocious, uh, you know, to say the least. So I just want to see what Clemson's offense is going to look like in this game and if they can move the football. But if they don't, if they come out and look like they don't have an identity again, I, I, I don't know, man. The heads are going to roll in Clemson because they're going to be two and two and it's not going to be looking pretty. I, I don't know, man. I'm, I don't have any a ton of confidence either way. I don't know if Florida state was just sleepwalking last week or if they legitimately have some issues. So not what I'm comfortable betting, but I would probably agree with you and lean Florida state based on what I've seen thus far. Mm. I'm not so, the only homer now. Yeah. Oh, stop. Stop <laughs> it. 
Speaking of Homerism, Bama. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Alabama. Natural lead in. Indeed. Alabama at home, minus seven against Kiffin and company. Jalen Milrow is the unquestioned starter now. Saban announced that after him not playing a snap in the South Florida game. Don't really know what that was all about. There's a lot of rumors out there. I'm not sure. So, what? I mean, what are we looking at here? Because if I'm if I'm looking at this objectively and not with Homer glasses on, I don't like what I've seen from Alabama's offense thus far. They did run the ball really well last week, but that's against South Florida. They're going to be a step up against Ole Miss here. And you can say what you want about Ole Miss's defense if you're a listener or a viewer, but they are better than they got credit for last year. And they've been better this year than they get credit for. But they're facing a different animal now, you know, not the same level of roster talent that they've been facing up to this point. And in the past, Ole Miss has consistently been like five, six, seven, and oh, and then they face a bunch of tough opponents and they tank, you know. So what do you see in here at Bama minus a touchdown? Because I honestly the only thing that I would say here is over over 55 and a half, but I don't have a ton of uh, conviction on a spread here. I don't know that I like the over, honestly, between the questions I have about Alabama's offense, the fact that Ole Miss's defense is, I think it's fair to call them average or maybe even slightly above average. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, uh, I think each team is going to try to put it on the other quarterback's shoulders. I think Alabama is going to ma- try to make Jackson Dart beat them through the air. Like, they can't. They can't let Quinshawn Judkins go for you know one seventy five and two touchdowns. You're going to uh, yeah, lose. No. You're going to yeah. lose. Yeah, it's a bad. So bad formula. They're they're going to have to probably try to stack the box a little bit and keep that guy under control. And it, you know it's one of those. We're going to make Jackson Dart beat us in the air. And if he does, we will tip our cap and shake his hand and tell him, good job. Right. Yeah. You can live, you can live with that, I think. But you can't, you know, if you don't take those extra steps to to make sure that the best running back in the country doesn't beat you by himself, uh, you know, what are you doing? So I think that'll be the focus of the game. Um obviously the home field works in Alabama's favor and I think that is probably would be like the the tipping point for me to to go ahead and pick them but I don't love the seven on the number spread yeah if it was less than a touchdown I would deba- I would debate on taking it but given that it's at a hard seven I'm gonna pass on that yeah like that number sucks I'll just straight up I'll say it. like yeah I think it's a good number. I really do. It would not shock me if it's closer than that. I mean, hell, it wouldn't shock me if Ole Miss won based on what I've seen thus far. And I mean, I'm wearing an Alabama hat here, so not, I don't have enough conviction to take them. So, but uh, I do think there will be quite a bit of points scored. Um, I mean, if I, I think Texas's defense is quite a bit better than Ole Miss's, and Alabama yeah. put up you know close to 30 points on Texas, so they can do that. I feel like they could do the same thing against the Yeah, I, I think if you can score 24 on Texas like they did. Yeah. You know, as long as Milrow take and that's my that's my one thing about Alabama is if, if Jalen Milrow is your guy, A, I think he should be based on what we've seen so far. B, Agree. if he's if he's the guy, you've got to get that dude some designed runs. Oh yeah, 100%. They had none against Texas. Like, and he, he otherwise be, otherwise why is he out there? <laughs> right. He needs to be carrying it 10, 15 times a game. I mean, at well, least 15, between. but like, give, give me, give me eight. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like if he runs the ball, you know, design run eight, nine times in a game, plus his scrambles out plus, of the pocket, yeah, take which, off. He, sure. which he, which he's going to do. If he carries the ball 15 times for 85 yards and a score, I think that's great. You know, I, I don't think, Bama has to pass for 250 to win this game. I think if he throws for a buck 75 and a touchdown, they could win the game if they can get a push up front. And that's what I want to see because they haven't been able to get a push up front until South Florida. They did get a push up front and were able to run the ball. So didn't have Milrow in a quarterback. 
think it would have been a much you know bigger margin of victory than 17 to 3 had he have been in there because he is a weapon and you have to scheme for him so i don't know man we'll see it's going to be really exciting to watch that's uh 330 on cbs the last year of sec on cbs man it's yeah every every sec fan base will not actually gary danielson's moving over right is he changing networks i don't know i don't care honestly i'm I'm so tired of danielson i wish he would just retire but that's the funny thing like every every sec team thinks that he needs to go because he hates their team it's like well that's really not how it works when you play each other (laughs) well you know for alabama like when georgia the only the only reason i say that it's like the, the the 2012 SEC championship game where Georgia loses on like the last second and Danielson's like, what a shame, <laughs> you know, it's like, what a shame. God, come on, man. Yeah. Such a- but, I mean, you watch an Alabama versus um, Tennessee game, right? And go on Twitter when that's happening. And it's like a 50, 50 mix oh, of volume. Fans like, oh my God, Gary Danielson so by you know, Alabama. <laughs> and well, if you're getting you know, into the Twitter, Alabama same, you know, if you're getting into the edges of the Twitterverse with regard to Alabama fandom, uh, you're. But it's like Timmy says, man. By the by, the bottom of the comments, they're just making grunting sounds at one. Yeah, it, some whistles. Uh, yeah, it's not pretty. So, all right, let's talk about. Uh, this other ranked on ranked matchup, which I find quite interesting, and the total I find interesting because uh, we're going to talk about two more games here. Okay. Uh, this one, man, I don't know if I want to bet. Iowa unders have been a very. Uh, I've won a lot of money on Iowa unders in the last few years, just, you know, not a lot maybe to you if you're a millionaire, but a lot for me, I've won quite a bit of money on Iowa unders. And I don't know that I'm feel comfortable betting on under 40 and a half with Penn state at home here. Penn state is laying 14 and a half totals 40. Yeah. It's a weird combo of it is uh, spread and total. Um, It is that I'm going, what do they think? Penn state's just going to win, you know, 28 to 14 i i don't know what they're i don't know what they're thinking here so what what am i looking at i mean i i feel very confident penn state's going to win the game because i don't think iowa can score on them no i'm i'm curious to see how effective uh penn state is running the ball yeah that's what i want to see it's like and the whole game kind of hinges on that because if they if they can run the ball i would say anything over maybe four and a half yards of carry they're going to win by three touchdowns yeah. So would you feel comfortable betting under 40 here? You think Iowa can uh, run their backup quarterback in there and score? <laughs> yeah. I don't I think I'm done with Iowa totals. Um <laughs> <laughs> I wonder So why. I think I think Iowa's gonna be missing a couple of guys on offense that yeah. an, an offense that is already not very good. And they're playing they're going up against the best defense they've played this year so far, certainly. So possibly the best defense in the Big Ten. I mean it's you could you could argue the point. They're we'll they're see. in the discussion, I think. Um yeah, it's arguable. I just I'd be curious to see what kind of prop bet is out there for Iowa points scored. Mm, man. Yeah, I do. I could probably actually look that up while we're sitting here talking about this. Uh, actually from, from the numbers, it looks like Vegas is expecting something in the order of twenty eight thirteen. And I would be tempted yeah. to take I would be tempted to take under 13 for Iowa. Mm, like, I can't I bet on, I can't see the prop bets just yet. It's only, yeah. you know, given that it's so early in the week, but uh, I would be interested to see that like first half team total for Iowa. Yeah. But what, six and a half, maybe, you know, so that it'll be yeah. interesting. Like, do they kick two field goals or do they actually get a touchdown? So, yeah. I think the only way Iowa covers that is if they get a defensive or a special team score. Mm, that's true. It's gonna be really one-sided. Yeah, yeah. Drew Aller may have to make a mistake there for that to happen. I, I'm not going to talk about UCLA and Utah because we don't know if no. Cam Rising is going to play yet. And if he doesn't play, I think that line will shift pretty hard uh, from four and a half. I would assume it would go maybe screaming down. Yeah, maybe the I other mean, way. 
that may be. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, it's in Utah. So I don't know that UCLA will be favored at all if Rising is announced that he's out. But I mean, they, they said two weeks ago that he was cleared for full football activities, cleared for contact. And obviously, playing a FCS team like they did, you're going to leave him on the sideline. So I would think he's going to play how good he looks. Can he run? Can he cut? You know, those kinds of things that he makes plays with his feet. I don't know. I'm not going to talk about it, you know, in depth here. Uh, if if Cam Rising does play, I'll be anxious to see what the line does. I'll be watching it. But, it, you know, if he does play anything under a touchdown, I'd feel comfortable betting Utah. But uh, yeah, I don't think I'd touch a Utah game until I've actually seen him play. Yeah, it's not just a matter of him coming back. It's like, what does he look like? Right. Does he look like he's a better option than uh, Nate Johnson? Yeah, I would have to agree there. And then the last game, uh, man, this is another one of those. It's a it's a bigger line, but it's on the road. Oklahoma, Cincinnati. Cincinnati not looking good thus far. Struggling. Oklahoma's been crushing people. They're laying 14 and a half on the road here. I feel like Oklahoma may go in there and just destroy them. Am I crazy? I, I didn't want to bet it because it's on the road, but I feel like Oklahoma's just going to blitz them. They, they might. I was actually more intrigued by the total, uh, which when I looked was 59 and a half. 57 and a half. It's down. It's, it's down. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Um, you might take an over there to put I that might. in the, bull, put that in the mean, bullpen. Well, I think if, if, if you're telling me the total is 57 and a half, I think Oklahoma's averaging close to 57 and a half just by themselves. Yeah. They scored 66 last week. And, so, yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen enough of Cincinnati to decide whether I think they can keep them below 50 or not, but I, I think the total would be uh, my preferred play there. But I do think Oklahoma wins by double digits. Mm, nice. Okay, last one before we go, because we're a little long here. We're right at an hour. All right, last one before we go. I'm going to throw rapid fire two of them at okay. you. Two SEC matchups. Mm. Auburn on the road at Texas A&M. Texas A&M's laying seven and a half. The total is 51 and a half. What are we doing? Do we think Auburn can keep it rolling and get to 4-0 and here in College Station, or are you going to take the Petrino-Jimbo combo? and uh, say they get a win here. I think if you're going to give me more than a touchdown, I would probably take it. Mm. If you're going to give me the seven and a half, I, I think I would take the seven and a half because I think there are. So you're going to take the points with Auburn here? I think plus, I might. At plus seven and a half? Okay. Yeah, because from what I saw of A&M, like particularly the Miami game. Oh, God, they got bullied. I oh. mean. The, the the defense did not look like I expected it to. Um, no. I, I, their offense is better than last year. That's a low bar to clear. I think I would I roll the yeah. dice on a full touchdown if I was getting seven and a half. I don't hate that bet, man, because it is. I do expect Texas A&M to win the game. It's at home, the 12th man. It's going to be crazy, all of that. But it's an early kick. Players might be, you know, kind of, it might be a bit of a slow start to the game kind of thing. You know, I don't expect 30 points in the first quarter. I could be wrong, but, you know, I, I don't hate that bet. I, I wouldn't take it yeah. myself. I would lean yeah. more. Well, early games, the, you know, the crowd won't be too lubed up by then. Right. Uh, and, yeah. Well, they won't be shit faced. They won't be shit faced until halftime, you know. Mm -hmm. And so in that, I would probably lean. I'd probably lean over 51 and a half here because I do think both teams will score some points, but or sorry, under 51 and a half. I do think both teams will score some points, but I'm not so sure that I think Texas A&M will probably try to clean some stuff up on defense. And quite frankly, Auburn doesn't have Tyler Van Dyke. They have Peyton Thorne. So true. I, I'm going to, I'm going to put, under 51 and a half mm. in, the bull, in the bullpen there for me. Uh, and then last one, Arkansas reeling, coming off a, a loss to BYU. They're on the road at LSU. LSU's got a big line, 17 and a half. LSU's starting to look like they've got some stuff figured out. Am I crazy to think that this is going to be a beatdown because LSU just me melted no. Mississippi State? No, I think I think they're going to roll. 
Yeah. I know they played close last year at Arkansas. That well, was a weird typically game. Play, yeah, they typically play close every year. I mean, it's a, it's a you know rivalry. Yeah, that was a weird game. I mean, they were they had the the cat the caterpillars out, you know, scraping ice off the field the morning of the game. It was in the 30s. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Arkansas actually started a backup quarterback, if I remember right. And that game was either 17-13 or 13-10 or 14-10 or something. It was a very low-scoring, close game. But from what I've seen of LSU since the Florida State game, they they are coming around. And I mm. think, yeah, I think they roll in this one. Mm, I like it. All right, well, that's going to wrap us up for the week. And we appreciate all the viewers and listeners. And again, if you want to go check out our, our guest that we had, his content, he is Brian Driscoll from Irish Breakdown. That's irishbreakdown.com or just Google Irish Breakdown or go to any social media. He's there. And uh, check out that Notre Dame content. Excellent. Great. He's not quite the degenerate we are. but No, uh, that's bit, fine. That's actually yeah. admirable. Yeah, a lot more X's and O's and uh, Jimmy's and Joe's type stuff there. Good coverage of Notre Dame. So uh, check him out. But uh, in the interim, you guys can find us on YouTube, TikTok, uh, Instagram, Twitter, at South End Zone Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Jason Bailey 47 You can follow Eric at Eric Mulhair. And we'll be back with you next week, uh, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of Monday with our massive week four recap and going to be a lot to unpack, Eric. So yeah. Big, big weekend of football. Hope you've got your uh, couch ready and the grill prepared. And I, I don't know what my game day eats are going to look like this weekend. I'm actually, yeah, I got some, it. I got some Kaneka in the freezer that oh, uh, snap. breaking out for Saturday. I've been, I've been holding off. That's what I'm talking about. I've got some hot and spicy in there myself. Can't wait to get it. And I did find that is an Alabama thing. The Conecuh headquarters yeah. is in Alabama. It's actually in the middle of nowhere. But anyway, no free advertising. So, um, you know, Sponsor but, the show, Conecuh. Yes, please do. Uh, but we will be back with you next week. But until then, take care later on. Thank you very much. Have a great day.